Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. So the message I have today is something that I've prayed for and said, God, what are you going to do? What do, you, what do these people need? Because when you minister to a culture, wherever you're at and where God has called you, he's got a significant word just for that culture. And so it's for that group of people. And I didn't go through what I went through for nothing. God is going to use my junk to help somebody else. And it makes it worth something. So I have to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, the message that I'm going to be ministering on is if only. And how many of you have said if only? Anybody courageous enough to say what you said if only? If only? Anybody want to say something? If only I made more money. What was that? If only I waited. Ooh, if only I went to college. If only I didn't get married so soon. If only I didn't struggle with addiction. If only I didn't waste time. If only I wouldn't have come to prison. If only I wouldn't have married her or been with that person. If only I wouldn't have had sex at a young age. The if onlys, right? The regrets. Anybody here have regrets? The definition of regret means feeling sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a lost or missed opportunity. If only my mom wouldn't have passed away when I was young. My father, if only I didn't miss that opportunity and tried for that job anyway. We all have those if onlys. And if you think for some reason, you know, but if I knew the future, I wouldn't have those if onlys. Anybody ever said that one? You know the crazy part is, is that you all know the future? God gave it to us in this book. We literally, we literally see what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. And watching every single person and story is strategically put into this book so that we wouldn't have the if-onlys. How many remember the, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? He had, George Bailey had an if-only. And I want you to watch this clip. Go on. Did I just go on? Bring it up later if it comes up. Well, if you don't know, um, it's a wonderful life. George Bailey had everything going for him. He had, um, he was fun. He was loving. Grew up as a teenager. Met his childhood sweetheart. Things were going good for him. He loved helping people. And as he got older, he began to have regrets. 
And he, things started happening. He was losing money, losing time, and his kids frustrated him. His wife irritated him, and he forgot about the gratefulness he had. And so what he did is he just finally said, man, life would be better off if I wasn't even born. Anybody ever said that one? I'm worth more dead than I am alive. If I wouldn't have made that my mistake, or if I'm the one that has caused my family heartache, life would be a better world if I wasn't in it. And that's what he did. And so all of a sudden, an angel appears, and here's what he says. And let me show you what life would have been like if you would have never have been born. Because every single person that you run into, and every situation, whether bad or good, happens for a reason. Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 7.10. It says, do not say, why, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. If you're the one that always dwells on the past, or maybe your past was better, and I run into those people all the time. I, I work, in a, uh, I work at, at a detention center, and they literally talk about the good old days and the drive-bys and, and the drug I did and the songs we did, and they're still stuck in the 80s and singing those songs, and, you know, but you can't even move forward because you're so stuck in the past when it was good or when you thought it was good. And you can't even, you can't even move. I will tell you this, if there is trauma or unfinished business, yes, you need to go back before you go forward, but you don't stay there. you got to go forward eventually. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Moving forward, no matter what's happened in your life, and I know some of you, I can't even imagine. We all have a story to tell. We've all experienced something in our lives, and we can't move forward. And sometimes, I will tell you, you've got to take a step back, and you've got to sit in that, and you've got to reflect. And you're thinking, God doesn't even understand. Where are you, God? Where were you when this happened? Where are you now? Don't you understand? And, you know, I don't have food in my refrigerator. I don't have money in my bank account. Where are you, God? And the Bible says that God would never leave you or forsake you. He doesn't promise you a rose garden. But he does tell you that in the midst of that, he will never leave you or forsake you. And you know what? Jesus went through the same thing. Same thing that we went through. In Matthew 26, this is not on the, um, one of the fill-ins, I mean, one of the things that I gave him. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, oh, actually 26, 37 through 39. Jesus is ready to die on the cross for you. And do you think he did that willingly? Do you think he did that with a happy face and I can't wait? I can't wait to be tortured. I can't wait to be beaten. All for you. It wasn't like that. And if you look right here, Matthew 26, 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch for me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if, the if only. My father, he says, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as your will. Anybody ever feel that way? But you just say, God, take it from me. Take this away from me. But he did something that was different. He said, nevertheless, your will be done. I'll die on that cross. I'll get beaten. I'll be tortured. He knows what it's like to have the if-onlys. If there's another way this could work, I will do it. Isaiah 45.7. It says, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. And I hear people say this all the time. He formed good, purity, everything that you can think of, but he allowed evil to come. You know why? For his glory. And you think, what glory could come out of this? You know when everything's going good, how many of you cry out to God? But when everything's going bad and nobody can help you and you don't have any answers and you don't understand, all of a sudden you're, Lord, if you just get me out of this one, I promise. Lord, I need you. My kids are running amok. I need, this person needs healing right now and I can't, I, I can't. That's what he does it for, to bring you closer to him. And you look at that stuff and believe me, I know. Many of you know my life. Many of you know, because I'm so transparent, my husband's transparent, you know what we've been through. And, you know, it's funny, I, I, when I run into people that knew me today, my heart, um, I get grieved because it's like we have this secret society where they know, like, I know what you're going through. I remember when you were struggling. I remember when you were going through that hard time. And those people, I just connect and I start crying because I, I, you know what I know but you know, and look at what God has done and despite everything. You see, because nothing happens without God's permission. But just because he knows doesn't give us the authority to continue to make bad choices. Some of the things that things we've gone through because of bad choices we've made, bad investments, bad relationships, um, the way we treated our kids. And so we reap a consequence. But you know, even in the midst of that, when you come with a repentive heart, you know that God, what, he, what the enemy meant for evil, he will change it for good? Even though that you weren't the best parent, even though you might have said something you shouldn't have said, even though whatever your even though is, God uses it for his glory and he can change it around with a repentive heart. Everything that I went through, God changed it around. Everything that I struggled with, he, he used that. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't be um, talking to 75 men in a dorm and talking about the love of God if it wasn't for. I wouldn't even have a passion. I wouldn't even have empathy. I would pass this cholo down on the street and just say, I ain't talking to you. But because of what I went through and I saw a man struggle in my own home, that gave me an empathy and a love for different people of different cultures and different struggles because I saw my husband love God, but he just couldn't get free. It was, there's a reason why you went through what you went through. And I'm going to tell you a story. And many of you know this story. You probably would say, if only 
the outcome, I, I'd be fine. But we do through his word, the stories accumulate in the word, as I was talking about, that God was intentional with the stories that he put in there so that we wouldn't say if only. I'm going to tell you the story of Joseph. And what I love about this story, and I'm going to break it down, I'm not going to really, I mean, you can read it on your own from chapter 37 to chapter 50 and see his life. But I want to walk you through this story because what Joseph did, you never heard him complain. You never heard him say, if only. He just kept walking. I love what, um, I love what Contessa said on Wednesday. She said, just keep swimming. No matter how hard it gets, keep swimming. I always keep walking. Some of you are walking slower. Some of you might be limping, but just keep on going. Just keep on going because you don't know what's at the end. I, I, I tell uh, people all the time at the end of every storm is a rainbow. But you stop. You fear. You get stagnant because you don't want to move anymore. I'm not going to ever fall in love again because that person hurt me. I ain't gonna, I, I'm not going to ever love again. I'm going to keep you at an arm's distance. I'm not going to ever let you in because nobody will ever hurt me again. And you keep yourself from good quality relationships. You keep yourself from people coming into your life and pouring into your life when you get to that. I, I will never. I will never. You take control of your life and you stop letting God take control. So I'm going to walk it down in Joseph. And um, Genesis 37, 3 through 4 now Israel, which was name was Jacob, and God changed his name, and the name Jacob means conniver, and God changed it to Israel, which is a blessing. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. You know, it's a trip, is it, what he says, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Isn't that powerful that he just loved his son? You know what's the significance in that? Is it says that he loved him more than his other kids. And some of you have shown favoritism to your kids. And you've caused uh, dissension. I, this one's special. Not my son. Not mine. Your other, the other kids just want to, because of the favoritism that you've shown. And, and you did it out of love, but there's a consequence when you do that. And what ended up happening was Joseph's consequence had nothing to do with it. He was 17 years old, and his brothers, it says he, they hated him because of that and making, giving him favor, that his brothers hated him. And so then he has the nerve to, his, he has a dream, and he goes to his brothers who hate him, and he says, oh, by the way, you know, I had this dream of these sheaves, and it's, it's talking about a stock, you know, that are rolled up. And there was, they're all standing up, and they're all bowing to this one. What he's saying is that you guys are all going to bow down to me. Do you think they loved him when they hated him already? They hated him more. So they connive a plan, and they say, well, what we're going to do is we're going to kill our brother. Let's get rid of him, get him out of here. We're going to kill him so that... Um, you know, see what happens when we get him out of the picture. So they decide to kill him. They throw him in a pit, and then they realize, no, we can't kill him. What grace they have. No, we can't kill him. We'll just sell him into slavery. But we won't kill him. So they sell him into slavery. And if you go down to 37, 29 through 30, Jacob is sold, uh, has told. And what they did, and this is how the significance of Jacob reaching the um, having the consequences of, of his decisions and things he's done. They go, and they go back to their father, and they say, we're going to devise a plan and just act like wild animals ate them. And so they take that coat of men of colors, and what they do is they put goat's blood on the coat, and they take it back to their dad, and they say, you know, he, he died. And, and what he does, Jacob um, tears his coat, which is a sign of just deep grief, and maybe some of you have felt that way, where you just fell to the ground. He couldn't believe that his son was dead. You know what's significant about that story? 
is that years ago when Jacob was a little boy, he decided to deceive his father. And what he did is he said, I'm going to steal the birthright of the oldest. Because back in the day, the oldest got everything. And when the father was about to die, he would give a blessing and he would give it to the oldest. Well, him and his mother, when they were little, said, hey, well, let's desire the pan. I want to get that birthright. So I'm going to go and I'm going to take my brother Esau's coat and I'm going to act like it's me because it's smelly because he's out, Esau's out working in the field. And he says, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put goat's hair on my arms because so, he was really hairy. And he says, I'm going to go in there because his dad was going blind. He couldn't see. And he said, Esau, is that you? And he said, yes, it's me. And it wasn't him. It was, it was actually Jacob. And isn't that crazy that here we go back in time and we go forward and that same situation, they deceived him with a coat of many colors and goat's blood. There is a consequence. I'm not going to lie to you. There is sometimes a, there is a grace and a sovereign God and at times you get away with things, but you never really get away for free. You never really get away. There, there is a consequence to something you do, but God's sovereignty is right there waiting for you and loving you in the midst of it. And so that happens, and we go down, and they sell him to Egypt, to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. Joseph becomes, see, even in the midst of that, when they sell him to Potiphar, he is in charge, and they put him in charge of his house. See how God gives him favor in the midst? He didn't do anything wrong. And he puts them in there, and he makes them in charge of his house. And then Potiphar's wife tries to cause Joseph to sleep with her. Starts begging him and starts coming on to him. And you know what I love about this story? Because it shows what life is. Temptation and making the wrong choice. Because we all have a choice to make. And he still, even in the midst, he probably could have said, you know what, I need this. You know, look what happened. You know, I got thrown in a pit, and now I'm a slave. And I deserve this. I, I deserve to sleep with her. But he didn't. And I love what he says in 39.7. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He, he still loves God and says, how can I do this? I can't do that, no matter where he's at. And God gives him favor wherever he goes, even in the midst of being in jail and everything else. So she accuses him of rape because she's so mad that he did not take her advances. And she accuses him of rape. And then Potiphar throws him into prison. And you never hear Joseph saying, but I have an excuse. That's not true. I don't know why God doesn't make an emphasis on him, his affect at that time. It just seems like he keeps walking. And he ends up getting thrown in prison for what for something he didn't do. Anybody ever been thrown in prison? Don't raise your hand. You didn't do? <laughs> and I didn't do this one, but you know all the other ones you did. But I didn't do this one, though. That's, that's what happened to him. And so he's sitting there in prison, and he, he finds favor with a prison guard, and he makes him in charge of the prison. It's like how God still gives him favor in the midst and for two years, he's in that prison. Remember, he was 17. He's in that prison, and all of a sudden, two other people come to prison that are part of the, the king's court, and they're thrown into prison, and they both have a dream. And, you know, Joseph has that gift of interpreting dreams. And he, um, they say, we need someone to interpret this dream. So he has him interpret the dream. And he tells them, you know, I just want to let you know, well, you're going to be... Um, you're going to be found out, and favor's going to be brought to you, and you're going to go back with the king's court, but you, you're going to be beheaded, and um, nothing. <laughs> so he tells the other guy that with the dream that he has and what it means. And, but then he says one thing, remember me. Don't forget me in prison. 
And I can, I can just imagine hearing that guy, I got you. I got you. I'll remember you. He forgets them. I hear it all the time that where I wait and um, they, you later, high five, send me a package, I'll send you a package. And then they don't hear from America. They're waiting for that package. You know, but it's, it, so that happens. Are you guys getting the story? How one thing happens that's good, what the enemy meant for evil, one thing after another, he's thrown into prison, he's falsely accused, he's in prison, he interprets the dream, he forgets him for two years. And then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh has a dream. And he says, nobody can interpret this dream. And they say, oh yeah, that's right, there's this guy in jail who interpreted my dream and he has a dream, he can interpret that for you. So he has him interpret what it was, and it was that he was going to have seven years of good and seven years of famine. He tells Pharaoh, and not only that, but he's wise, and he tells him what he needs to do to collect money during that time. You see, because God will meet you in the midst when you seek him. He'll give you wisdom. I, I tell you guys all the time, there was a time I was homeless out of a choice. I had places to go, but pride let me, did not allow me to go and ask for help. I was the chubbiest, uh, healthiest, homeless person you'd ever meet. God met the need. I don't know how, but I wasn't starving. Somehow, whether it was beans and rice in Jesus Christ, I was good. I was good. You know, but God, he, he meets us where, where we're at. That's his love. That's his grace. He still meets you. And, um, and you see, so he tells Pharaoh this dream, and Pharaoh is just so overwhelmed, and Pharaoh puts him to govern all of Egypt. He says, you know what, because of this dream that you interpreted and because of this, I'm going to make you in charge of all of Egypt. And so there's seven years of good and all the crops are growing and they store them in the storehouse and they start selling them to people during the famine. Guess who shows up asking for food? His family. The ones that tried to kill him, put him in a pit, <laughs> imprison him. All that he, he could have had every right because you would do this too. You would use if this happened to you. You would, you would be angry, too, if you knew what I went through. If you knew what somebody did to me, you, you would be angry, too, and you would put up a wall, too. But he did it. As soon as they came down, they didn't recognize him because he was probably healthy, and he probably looked at it. He said he was really handsome. He probably had jewelry on. And, and they didn't recognize him, and they're asking him for food. They're probably skinny, tore up from the floor up, all skinny and shriveled, and their clothes are ripped because they, they, they're in famine, and they got to go to this man and ask him for food, and he doesn't tell them right away. And he actually, what he does is he, he says something to them to make them bring their whole family and bring them to, uh, to him. And so the whole family comes, and guess what they do? He says, it's me, you guys. He finally says, it's me. And he pulls everything aside, you know, takes off the jewelry. It's one, it's me, the one that you guys thought you killed and put in a pit. And, <laughs> and guess what they're all doing? They're bowing down to him. Just like his dream, they're bowing down to him. And you know what he does? And this is the grace. And this is why I believe that the blessing is there. Verse 50, 20. I don't know if you guys have that, but um, Genesis 50, 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, if his brothers wouldn't have acted out in rebellion and jealousy and hate, he wouldn't have been put there. And it wouldn't have set the course of history. So don't tell me that you guys don't see future. 
because this story shows you who wins in the end. This is just one story. Ecclesiastes 1 through 11. Some of you have had some hardships or different things in your life, and you don't want to move anymore. You don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to try anymore. And so you don't push forward. And Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 11, it says, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. 11. Did I, like, staple the wrong page? I did. I knew I'd do that. See how God works. He has a plan. <laughs> Let me just read it in here. If I can get it out quick enough. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 11. Is it up there? Can you put it up there? Oh, man. Okay, now I've got to find it. Oh, oh, here we go. I did it. Take it backwards. Ship uh, your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Because some of you are waiting for a better day. Some of you are waiting for savings in your account. When it feels right, when it looks right. But you're not even seeking God. Because not everything that feels right, looks right, is God. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But if you don't know, you're going to make those bad choices. And some of you have made bad choices. And so he's saying uh, whether a tree falls south to the north. Number four, he says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb. So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. I love what it says, and this is something I didn't do. I did a little bit, but it's in verse 7 it says, Light is sweet, and, is, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. He's telling you that, yeah, enjoy your life. Enjoy life on life's terms, but I will tell you, there might be many things that are going to happen. Days of darkness, for there are many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, man, if only. You who are you? Are you watching this? I had a I had a client, and I was telling him I was witnessing. We're not supposed to witness, but we do in an indirect way, and we kind of do anyway. But I was witnessing this client. And he goes, oh, wow. He goes, I thought only old people went to church. <laughs> he goes, I thought you, like, you live your life, and that's only for the, like, later on when you want to settle down. And he's 18. And I said, but your best idea brought you here. You're not doing a good job. You're in jail. You know, but it was so funny because some of us feel that way. And it says, you who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, so he's, he's giving you permission. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But listen to the next verse. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Serve God. Compromise with sin. Do what you got to do. I'll love you. You got a place in heaven, but there's going to be a cost to pay without knowing it. And so there has to be a fine line on what you're enjoying because it's right there. 
alcohol's out there. It's, it's right there. I mean, it's hard to, to get the drug, but the alcohol, it's right there. And so people say that heroin is not my problem. Alcohol's my problem. Alcohol's not my problem. Heroin's my problem. So I'm just going to do a little. Isn't that crazy? Meth is not my problem. I could smoke marijuana. It's legal now. That's not my problem. You probably could. I don't know. I won't. I don't know. Next thing you know, you'll be down on the speaker. I don't want to go there. But there's a consequence. There's a consequence when you choose something without asking the Lord for direction. Whatever it may be. So everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, like it says. Uh, God will bring you into... So then it says, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor, the word vigor means uh, physical strength is meaningless. He's telling you that, you know what, it's, it's, it's worth nothing. You know, you want to do this and you want to do that just for yourself. It's all meaningless. But when you're serving God, there's a meaning and a passion and a direction. He didn't mean for you to, to, to be the captain of your own ship. It's all for his glory and there's a purpose behind it. So many people stop dreaming because of a fear of the future and the unknown. You'll never realize your fool's potential. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When things happen in our life, this is where your faith is challenged. And if you keep walking, no matter the circumstance, your faith is built. Your faith will never be built. Your character will never be tried. You'll never build a strong character if you stop and you fear and you just tumble and you just close the blinds and you just sleep. You'll never know. Some of you have used uh, drugs to numb or, or prescription, and which is okay. When, when, you know, when, but it, you know that when you use prescription, it's always meant for therapeutic work. That there's, it goes hand in hand. That if, you're, if you are diagnosed with something and you take prescription, it's always meant for therapeutic work so that they can lower the dose or, or eventually get rid of it. But if you're not doing that, you build tolerance. And then you'll find something else to satisfy. And then you'll start going shopping, and you're shopping like crazy. And then you start gambling. And then you're addicted to women or addicted to men, addicted to... It just goes on and on and on. And it just continues to, to go there. And we wonder the if-onlys and why we have so many regrets. Um, I told you, some of you are going to be happy I'm preaching. Some of you are. <laughs> Come on. I got one shot, Lord. <laughs> In every situation, God's plan is to bring him glory. Here's your feeling. Potential is God's gift to us. You're not perfect, but you've got a potential. Some of you are sick of hearing that. You've probably heard that all your life. You, there's potential. But potential is God's gift to us. Making the most of it is our gift back to God. And anything less results in regrets. Anything less results in regrets. Our gift back to God is to find out how do I get past potential and I do the will. Some of you are just stopped and you, you won't even try to get a better job. I won't even try to make more money because there's more uh, account. I'm not going to be in ministry. Yeah, I'll help you, but I won't lead because I don't want the accountability. I don't, I, I don't want, because I know there's a higher standard the, far, the harder you get up. And you never see your fullest potential of what God would have for you. You, you think, why would I ever work in Wayside Pitches Detention Center? That was not my will. 
And I just kept on walking, and God opened the doors, and I ended up in ways. Is this the door, Lord? <laughs> I ended up here. And, and now they want us to go to Supermax, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, but, but God, is, God is in the, he has a reason to go through. And you know what is crazy about that is you probably think that the one that's all tattooed down could tell their story, and, and, and it, it does. God will use that person. But when I come in there and I tell the story what it's like to be a wife married to an addict, they, they listen because now they're hearing from a different perspective. When I tell them what it's like to be a mother with, with uh, kids that struggle with um, addiction, they, they listen because they have kids and they've reaped consequences or what it's like to lose. So we all have a place, whatever God has for you, whatever that place may be. I can't see the time. Oh, good, I got some time. So our today has an impact on our tomorrow. The word potential means having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. Having the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. Number one, how do I live with no regrets? See, before I can tell you how to, we got to get to the root. We got to see why you're doing that. And so I like to walk you through it because I got to get you to a place to gain awareness. Now it's what you do with it. And now let me walk you through how to live with no regrets. Number one, Love God with above all else. Love God above all else. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, The core duty of every human being is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. One thing we teach in psychology is a body, mind, soul, and spirit. We work on the whole person. Because if you're so spiritual, you're no earthly good. You're not working in other areas. If there's another part of it socially. If you're not working on engaging with others or networking, you might be off. If you're not working on your physical, and I've been trying to do that all my life, and I'm not going to stop, but if you, you know, exercising, you know, what that does is it builds self-esteem. It actually builds dopamine, a, com a common chemical that, that fills pleasure. When you exercise, it makes you feel good. When you get someone telling you words of affirmation and they say, man, good job, feels good, dopamine. When you get into a healthy relationship and you fall in love and you know it's the will of God, it feels good, dopamine. I love when the worship comes up here. You know why? Because the adrenaline's going and that dopamine is shooting like crazy and I'm getting you ready for the message as God begins to speak. <laughs> That's what's happening. And I love when my brother whistles because when he whistles, it reminds me of my husband. He used to whistle, and I told my son that he's whistling right now. Nothing happens for nothing. You know? Stay in that place of dopening, because number two? <laughs> number two, love others as yourself. You don't want to have regrets? Love others as yourself. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John that our love for each other is a witness of our salvation. There is nothing worse when you talk about different churches and different denominations, and we're all in the same, we're all here serving God. There's nothing worse than that, because people will know who his disciples are by the love you have for one another, by the one you have for the one that is left, the one that's still struggling, and you don't judge that person, you just love them. Love each other. I don't care where you come from. If, if, if we merged as churches and it's not uh, day spring panorama and throwing up signs and it's not, you know, Mission Hills over here, you know, it's, no, 
We're all in the same boat. We all serve the same God. We all bleed the same. It's all the same. I love that. When, you know, when I go into the dorm, there, there's segregation at times. You know, they, they're, 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 there's a structure they got to follow. But it's one thing that they've picked up is that, no, we're dorm 38. We, they, they all come together, all the different cultures, and they come together. No, we're, we're, we're in rehab. We're, we're, we're doing this together. It's the same thing as, as the Christian army comes together. We're doing this together. Um, number three, pray. You don't want to have regrets. Pray. First Chronicles 16.11 says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. My son makes fun of me because I always give glory to God in everything. He, my, my oldest just got a raise, and I said, you see how God, he goes, what, I don't have any work in that? And I said, yeah, but look what God did. He gave you a, he gave you a raise. I always give God glory in every situation, constantly. Before I go, it's so funny, I pass by the dorms, and I got my hand out like this, and probably some of them that don't know what I'm doing, they're like, oh, she's waving, and they're waving at me. <laughs> they have no idea that I'm praying, and God deliver them, set them free. Uh, God, that you would get a hold of them, touch them from the top of the head. And, the and I'm praying like this as I'm going by. God has a plan. Don't forget to pray. If you're seeking and you don't want any regrets, pray before you make a decision. Uh, four, study God's word. The more you study God's word, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should not let the philosophies of the world change the way we think. Don't go to the world for validation when you're angry. When you're angry or you're resentful, why are you going to go to the world? Are they going to give you godly counsel on what God will do? Are they going to tell, oh, man, I'd be mad too. Yeah, I would do that too. Why do you go to the world for validation? Number five, practice gratitude. You notice I didn't say attitude of gratitude, but I always say practice gratitude. Brene Brown is a, is a shame therapist, and she spent years, and what she does is she accumulates and she, to now a day, and she gets thousands of men, thousands of women, she accumulates all the behaviors and different things they say, and that's how she comes out with what she comes out with when there's a statistic. She doesn't go by somebody else's statistics or from the 1980s, she does it all on her own. Um, she said something that was so profound, you can't have joy unless you cultivate gratitude. You know the hardest emotion to sit in is? Anger, depression, anxiety. You know what the hardest emotion to sit in is? Joy. Isn't that crazy? Joy. You know why? Because when you experience joy and you feel good, what are you doing? You're waiting for the ball to drop. Oh, this can't be. I have this job. What if I get fired? You have this beautiful baby. Oh, my gosh, how beautiful. I just had a baby. And then you're already thinking, but if anything happens to them, you can't even sit in that emotion. You can't even sit in joy. When I went to Maui, me and my son, we, we look at, I, I laugh because I like to look at, I like to look at, and I think the, the time I spend with people, the history, we take pictures because that's our history. And then my friend, she's sitting there looking at the flower, taking picture of uh, the plant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she goes, you got to enjoy it all. But it's all sitting in the motion. Just sit in it, enjoy it. So that's practice gratitude. Oh, i got to hurry up. I'm running out of time. Number six, live out your faith. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. If you show me a man who merely agrees to the truths of God's word in his or her mind, but never acts out those beliefs, you will see a man filled with regrets. 
Live your faith. You talk about God all the time. You talk a good walk, but, I mean, you, you, you can say it. You can, probably know, you can probably recite scripture, but are you living it? Are you living holy before God? Are you watching your tongue, watching what you do, watching who you're with? Live out your faith, and you won't have regrets. Number seven, don't pass judgment. Don't pass judgment. Romans 2 says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Be careful lest you fall. Be careful when you say, I can't believe they did that. Believe me, be careful because you might fall into the same situation. If you say, I'll never, I can't believe they did that. Oh, man. Back just like else. One step away. Number eight, live each day as though it was your last. If you knew that your husband was going to get saved today, would you be crying for it? Because you knew he was going to get saved tomorrow. If you knew that you were going to come into a million dollars tomorrow, would you be saying, God, where's the money today? How you spend your time with anxiety and depression, you've got to live each day to its fullest, fullest. Live each day as though it were your last. Number nine, don't worry. Hard. Don't worry. Why are you worrying? You know, where's Mario? Where's he at? Where's Mario at? Oh, there he is. You know what the Bible says in Luke 12, 22? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of by worrying can add a single hour to your life? If any of you here worry about, man, I'm losing my hair. That's why I said Mario. If you, if you worry about that, I just, he just sent me a picture. That's why this guy had so much hair. But if he sat there and worried about it, do you think one hair is going to show up? <laughs> you think that he's going to change destiny by him just sitting there and worrying that I'm not going to, I'm losing my hair or worrying about I'm getting older? Do you think all of a sudden you'll be made younger? Do you think all of a sudden that one hair is going to go Pfft. So why do you worry about it? Why are you worrying about it? And number 10, most importantly than everything, godly sorrow. David was just in how he handled and, and expressed regret. David slept with Bathsheba, Bathsheba. He had regrets. But one thing he had was godly sorrow. Oh, my gosh. Psalms 51, 8, 9, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. He took it back, the mistakes he made, he said, forgive me. I'm going to have Tina come up. I asked her to sing a song um, during the time of prayer. And I just wanted to close with this. Did any of those videos come up now? The last one? Let's show that video. Huh? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You are here to build them. Your brother Harry Bailey broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. <laughs> 
That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? There. You, if you haven't seen that movie, you got to see that. I, mean, I actually left it in the dorm for my clients, and I told them, I want you guys to see this movie. I'm going to talk about it on a Monday, so let's see. Kind of snuck it in there. But um, if you want to bow your heads in this place, as I just read really quickly, if Joseph was not thrown into the ditch at age 14, he would not have been sold to slavery. If he would not have become an overseer of Potiphar's house, he would not have been falsely accused and thrown into prison. If he would not have been interpreted the dreams of the two prisoners, he would not be interpreting Pharaoh's dream. If he would be made governor all over, if he wasn't made governor over all of Egypt, he would not have forgiven his brothers. He would not have saved his family from famine. If Pastor Julio didn't struggle with drugs, I wouldn't have desired to become a drug and alcohol counselor. If Julio and I didn't need support in his recovery, we would not have started Celebrate Recovery. We would not have had a place for Albert and Eileen to show up. We would not have come into recovery and now they're leading CL. If I wouldn't have got fired because I was broken, focused on Julio's recovery, I would not have got hired at the Christian bookstore. And I wouldn't have met Maggie Kirk and invited her to church and Maggie Kennedy and invited her to church. If we didn't go through brokenness and rebellion throughout our lives as youth, as youth, we would not have desired to become youth leaders and mentor Anthony Herrera, who is now the pastor of the youth group. And Megan Kirk, who has traveled around the world and attending college for theology. If Pastor Julio hadn't experienced transformation, he would never have answered the call. Pastor, and helped many marriages and people's lives. If Pastor Julio wouldn't have passed away Many would not have recommitted their lives, putting their hands to the plow, and would not have merged with Dayspring. Since the merge, we have had life groups, youth groups have grown, young adults ministry has started, discipleship and leadership training classes, and a pastor and his wife who love God. Souls continue to be saved. God is in control and will fulfill his purpose. God had a plan. You can look at the ugly or you can look at God had a plan. We hope you enjoyed this message, but before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.